Welcome to Jurassic World. Welcome to Jurassic World Minute Warriors. Jurassic World for a minute of time. I'm going to put a M134 on that chopper and smoke that thing. Hey, that was my idea. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And here we are back to discuss Minute 72 of Jurassic World. Before we get to that, David, let's head over to Wikipedia for something different here. <laughs> um, a full write-up on uh, the uh, the minigun we see in the film here, the, uh, the M134. Mm-hmm. The M34 is a uh, large ammunition, basically just a um, modern Gatling gun, where uh, it can be either handheld but usually mounted. In Terminator 2, they had a handheld one, <laughs> but obviously, I mean, the Terminator's weight is like a solid metal skeleton, so he probably weighs like 500 pounds and can take the um, can take the blowback from it. But yeah. Interestingly, though, um, the prop uh, chain gun here that we see in Terminator 2 was the same prop used in the Predator movie. Mm. So the, they were actually the exact same gun. Yeah, they um, and there's, there's, there's YouTube videos out there um, behind the scenes and that sort of stuff with um, Bill Duke and um, and that that's that sequence in Predator where he's he's got that thing. Early, early compositing there as well because they were using blanks just for safety. And I'd have to read, yeah, you have to re-watch the videos, but there was some interesting stuff going on there. Just being able to hold, <laughs> hang on to this thing, um, handheld, because the military and the army going to gun makers and saying we want to get as many rounds downrange as we can, as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm. Early, early Gatling guns back in your your Civil War and that sort of stuff, and now electronically fired, your Vulcan and all that sort of newer stuff as well, just for the um, the stupid amount of... Oh, there it is. The, yeah, spins it um, or fires at over 7,000 RPM, which uh, should tell me how many rounds a second or rounds a minute, but it's not going to. It's a lot. And it's made by uh, General Electric, so now you can also get your washing machine with a minigun. <laughs> well, that brings up the other thing too. I went to Google and uh, typed in "Can you own the M134 minigun?" and it um, automatically uh, corrected to "Yeah, General Electric minigun." Uh, according to the National Firearms Act, as of uh, 10th of September 2012, 
any fully automatic weapon made before eight, uh, 1986 was fair game to civilians. So, uh, <laughs> we know Predator was 85, I think, or it might have been 86, but um, the minigun existed well before that. So, yes, mm-hmm. uh, in America, you can <laughs> own a minigun. <laughs> uh, freedom! <laughs> yes, uh, good good luck um, instigating the Second Amendment there with a mini. <laughs> I, I understand a, a pistol or something in the back pocket for self defence, but um, yeah. Oh, here it is here. Between three and four thousand rounds per minute, which um, is just a stupid amount of ammo. The, one of the main reasons these things are mounted to aircraft and it is for the the weapon, uh, the um, ammunition capacity. Uh, I know in Predator, Jesse Ventura's got the the ammo box on his back. I'm trying to think of Terminator. He doesn't have the ammo on... I think it's just hanging out the side. He's dragging the belt alongside it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, he is. Which, of course, being a a machine and being able to precisely fire it, uh, even just clicking the trigger on and off, you're probably losing 100 rounds or something. The General Electric minigun for when you want to take out the burglar and the neighbor's house at the, <laughs> and the same house time. Behind that, and the house behind that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least this one only like seven point six two is still a decent, a decent round. You got much larger scale here with the M sixty one Vulcan, and even sort of the miniguns and Gatling guns that have around the, the edges of uh, uh, aircraft carriers and that with anti aircraft ammunition. That's Again, that's just shredding planes and all sorts mm-hmm. of things there too. Like, there's we humans have uh, found some pretty diabolical ways of killing people, and this weapon is certainly one of them. <laughs> <laughs> really. But speaking of General Electric, it kind of harkens back to um, what we were just talking about last minute with Masrani not even knowing what he owns. Like General Electric, I think of General Electric, I think of dishwashers and, <laughs> and power supply. I don't, I don't think of military contracts, you know? Well, but, And I'm yeah. sure there's probably something that people, when people think of Masrani Global, they, they think of, of like oil companies in Jurassic World. They don't think, oh wait, Masrani Global also has a section where they're contracted with military surplus. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I guess that's... Masrani's going to really, really make sure you pay your credit card bill when when the bill for Jurassic World comes in. <laughs> well, or again... you'll be fed to the Velociraptors. <laughs> well, again, Hoskins saying earlier that he's so diversified, he probably owns part, or probably has part share in Verizon anyway. <laughs> or... Well, Hoskins himself was, I think, a private security contractor, and that's how... The... Uh, he became head of engine security for Jurassic World. Hmm. Was rounding up the escaped Pteranodon from Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, that was his resume to, to join or to mm-hmm. come on, come on board. Yeah. But uh, yeah, get on get on the YouTube and just type in minigun and, and get to see some of the fun. Uh, there are a few civilians in America that do have their hands on, on one and uh, uh, constantly shooting at watermelons and pumpkins and all sorts of things. <laughs> um, there's also, uh, I can't recall now, I know it was a Discovery Channel um, episode where they took 
uh, movie weapons and things that weapons done in movies and tried to do it real life. Uh, they had the minigun and tried to mow down a section of jungle. Uh, unfortunately, they just had some palms in pot plants and that, and it wasn't really the same thing and couldn't get the same results. But that uh, that episode had Bill Duke in, and he was talking a lot there about um, about being having this minigun strapped to him and the uh, the fears of it being too powerful and coming out of his hands <laughs> while he's firing <laughs> it. But um... I I have seen like videos of people firing large caliber uh, rifles that just like blow them blow them back into the wall on the range. Yeah. Yeah, a 50 cal shouldn't be a pistol. <laughs> or cut down. Uh... Not unless you watch your hand broken anyway. <laughs> uh, I, I say this out of kindness, but you crazy Americans. <laughs> <laughs> How about we get into minute 72? <laughs> Sounds good. Asset containment can use live ammunition in an emergency situation. You have an M134 in your armory. Put it on a chopper and smoke this thing. We have families here. I'm not going to turn this place into some kind of a war zone. You already have. Mr. Grady, if you're not going to help, there's no reason for you to be in here. Right here. Minute 72 of Jurassic World opens with Hoskins revealing the park has no safe places for guests. Ends with Zack removing the battery from the Kawasaki buggy. Uh, as we end at minute 71, Hoskins was laying out, uh, laying it all out to Maserani. That they had no way to get all the guests off the island. And Hoskins ends his speech with that things are killing machine and it will not stop. Um, Maserani replies, okay, I tend to personally look into your project to determine its viability within the moral principles of this company. <laughs> Which is interesting him saying that after just talking to Wu and realising what has already been happening with mm-hmm. uh, with with the company, and obviously he didn't give that speech to Wu, but uh, some things there happening that are not moral. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Camp Cretaceous is going to show us a whole new <laughs> addition to that as well. Um, but uh, Hoskins nods slowly. Uh, okay, boss, what's your next move? And uh, Hoskins steps back, and the music begins to intensify. But before we cut away. Interesting, over on the back wall is a blurry-looking green topo map, um, mm-hmm. almost like the like the same colouring as the brochure map from Jurassic Park on the wall. But I don't think we ever see it again. I think it might be another copy of the ACU style map. Yeah, it just looks the green looks more vibrant. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when things are kind of blurred out in the background, I do notice that colours have a tendency for taking on vibrancy. I suppose yeah, it could be that. I suppose too. The control room's pretty dark in places, and you get a lot of that mm-hmm. blue light, especially with that blue map. Um, so it just it's a it's a new color that's sort of shot, <laughs> coming out more than it probably needs to be or would be. But that's when we cut to the helipad as that M134 is being attached to Jurassic World One. Uh, we sort of get a Captain America theme music here as Masrani <laughs> walks out of the uh, the lift, um, rolling up his sleeves with Vivian following close behind. Sir, I can't get a hold of your instructor. Masrani says, never mind, he's probably caught up in the evacuation, which you'd think if that something was happening there, your first point of call would be the helicopter, knowing it's it's your ticket off the island where no one else can, can use it. But uh, Vivian pleads with him, are you sure there's no one else that can fly a helicopter? And Masrani 
um, grabs a helmet off a soldier inside the chopper and turns to her dramatically, we don't need anyone else. (laughs) 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 Or anybody else. (laughs) I can can almost imagine him putting on the sunglasses. (laughs) Like CSI. Well, it also goes back to early when ACU's out on patrol, going after Indominus and he makes a comment to someone in the novel anyway that um, if I could I'd be out there with you boys or something mm-hmm. it's seemingly in the novel he's a lot more gung-ho and wants to be able to more, be more hands-on where in the film he's up until this point anyway he's been sort of just in the background calling shots and now he wants to get his hands dirty I think that's kind of the Hammondization of the character that Trevorrow was kind of going for he wanted a character kind of like Hammond, a little bit more hands-on and younger, but at the same time, that was somewhat Hammond's role in the first movie was standing there directing me in the background, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But um, I've got two little issues here. One of them, uh, the soldier in the front hands him the helmet has uh, got his night vision goggles on. Um Supposedly it's a day up and we're still in the middle of the day here. I'm not quite sure why he's uh, got the goggles on his flight helmet there. (laughs) But secondly, and more glaring, we can only presume after he went to see the Indominus that he flew the helicopter back to this helipad that's been here while he's been in the control room ever since, which Mm -hmm. means it would have been shut down. Um, Aircraft, when they're on the ground, when you go to use them, you've got to do pre-flights, you take all the little... Um, plugs off uh, airspeed measurement devices and the air intakes and all that sort of stuff, which normally the pilot does because he's the one that's going to fly it, uh, unless you do have ground crew. Um, he walks out, the helicopter's already running. <laughs> uh, someone already started it and must have done the pre-flight check, so surely they can also pilot it? <laughs> Supposedly the, the, the co-pilot in the front seat would also know how to fly. I don't know if he's just Paul and Ranky and saying, nah, I'm the only one that can fly it. Just <laughs> the scene we get and um, when someone actually can. I was going to say, it's possible that the cope, the person who hands uh, Mizrani the, uh, the co-pilot there, was originally intending to be the pilot, and then Mizrani's like, hold up, I'm flying. Yeah, that, that has to be what it is, because... We know from earlier too when we were flying to the to the Indominus Rex uh, paddock, that right side seat is the pilot seat, uh, and Masroni wasn't actually flying the helicopter. Obviously, Efren Khan isn't a pilot, <laughs> but uh, here again we've got that guy sitting in that seat who is uh, going to be the pilot and take off and fly the helicopter here with uh, Masroni just sitting in the in the in the passenger seat. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I'd never noticed it before, but just before doing the notes for this, I was like, wait, the helicopter's actually, it's already running. What's, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, but uh, the dramatic music uh, keeps picking up as the helicopter takes off. Not as shaky as we see from earlier takeoffs, and um, Vivian just stands there on the helipad as it flies away. Presumably they know where the Indominus is or they're just going to go and try and find it from the air, but we've seen a couple of minutes' time Claire calls in exactly where it is to the control room. So Masroni listened to the plan that Owen had earlier and uh, just sort of shelved it until um, mm-hmm. until now where he's going to pre- he prefers to do that than release the Raptors. I suppose being it was Claire that said she didn't want to turn the park into a war zone, not Masroni, so... Yeah. Um, Claire's not there to not approve the plan, so he's just going to go overhead and do it anyway. 
Anything else on that before we cut back to the visitor centre? Uh, no, I think we're good. All right. Uh, as the minute ends, we cut back to that destroyed buggy as uh, Zach removes the battery from it. Um, we're going to see what that's going to be used for next minute. There was one thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Was that going just going through the frame by frame? I I actually noticed that there's a um, dirt road leading from the back of the helipad. So that's probably how like they get up and down from it. They don't they don't have to actually go into the um, visitor center just to get to the helipad. You know, or I mean, not the visit the uh, control room just to get to the helipad. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't know if um, I don't know if these guys would have carried the the minigun up the elevator from the armory. <laughs> where where the armory is compared to this, obviously it must be in that command building. Um, yeah. Plus the ammo. It's sort of one of them things too. You don't want to be bringing that through public areas. <laughs> oh, you imagine the chatter when they see five guys carrying a minigun <laughs> through an innovation centre. <laughs> yeah, all the connecting tunnels. Heading over to the novel briefly, um, Mesrani and Vivian on the helipad is as per the film. Uh, Maserati straps on his helmet and climbs into the helicopter and gives Vivian a thumbs up. I'm glad we didn't get that in the film because um, that would have been a little bit of a Terminator callback. And then the chopper takes off and wobbles a little, so they do include that in the uh, in the novel. Just Maserati's getting his uh, getting his flight feet back again as he as they take off, and um, and then the, the novel lines up here too of cutting back to Zach putting the battery in the jeep. So. We're going to get into that next minute. But until then, Dave, anything else on 72 before we get out of the day? No, I think we're good. All right, lovely. 